Why are you so fat? Mm. Why are you so fat? <laughs> Explain yourself. I, I don't know. I'm a uh, John. I'm a whale. I because yesterday I've, I'm trying trying to abstain from snacking. So that means even no mm-hmm. popcorn at the movie theater, John. And who the heck? What? Who the heck can enjoy a movie without popcorn? And also the candy is like five dollars, so that's just not worth it. I well, it, so that that's easy to abstain from, John. The popcorn and the wonderful soda. But mm-hmm. I'm doing my best to abstain from that. However, yesterday I relapsed. I, I relapsed hard. Oh, I, I oh, got a, a thing of jelly of uh, gummy bears that I knew I was planning on eating on my Saturday afternoon. However, it was after dinner. I was riding my bike home, and I just I, I just had a craving for more sugar, and I stopped for ice cream. <laughs> well, at least you rode your bike. That kind of evens it. I out. not really like when I have a side salad with my uh, quadruple double pounder. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they, they call that the one pounder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Wait, quadruple double okay, pounder. Yeah. That's it. That's eight patties, right? Yes. <laughs> the one pounder just doesn't have the same kind of marketing ring to it. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Ba da ba ba ba. Well, one pounder. <laughs> I'm fat in it. Yeah. We're, we're John and I. We're John. You and I are getting older, and we're desperately trying to lose weight, and we're losing that battle. We yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we keep telling ourselves like it's not going to get any easier from here. So now is the time to lose weight, and then uh, it doesn't happen. So. Nope. I'm just going to resign our fate. I'm, and I'm getting married this year, so I have an excuse. i got to look good in my suit. Well, well you, when you say an excuse, you mean an incentive to lose weight. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's, okay, fine. If you want to use your $10 words, you're <laughs> incentivizing me. Okay. Well, John, and do you feel like you're reaching that incentive? Do you feel like it's really like pulling you to lose that no, weight? <laughs> no, not at all. Are you kidding? We keep telling ourselves, like, this is the month we're going to start saving more money. This is the month we're going to start losing weight for this wedding. And it never happens. So, so uh, just don't – What if we can impart one is, thing yeah, to our listeners, don't bother. Just forget yeah, it. Just don't let bother. it all go. Just give up. Yep. Just give up. Just rest on your laurels and abandon all your morals. Okay? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of laurels and morals, John, we're, we're exploring Westerns this month. Are we ever? Yes, as we go into, as we drop into our incomprehensible and, and phony Western <laughs> accents. <laughs> I think my twang is spot on. Thank you very much. I can barely pronounce words through, through my teeth. So. Barkeep, another sarsaparilla. <laughs> sure do like that sarsaparilla, huh? I love them sarsaparillas. <laughs> Well, by the way, what do they always? I, there's there's this cliche in uh, westerns where they're always pouring shot glasses. What is that? Is that whiskey? Yeah, that's is just that rum. I'm assuming that? that's just dark whiskey. Yeah. Or rum, okay. yeah, whiskey or rum. No clear, no clear liquors in any of these movies. There should be. Why? I'm a I'm a gin man myself. No. Oh, gin. Pour me a shot of gin, good sir. Thank you. <laughs> and then you get your ass beat and your all your money stolen. <laughs> Western's no place for poofs. Okay. <laughs> poofs. <laughs> yes. That sounds like an old-timey Western yeah. phrase. There are a lot of old Westerns where they say uh, queer in the context of, like, that's strange. Well, yeah, because they're they're all from the 50s, so that was the heyday of the, the Westerns, so that was just kind of the more common parlance for it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a 50s term applied to late 1800s America, but... Mm-hmm. Anyway, John, back to laurels and morals, okay? Mm-hmm. We're, we're yes. going to rest on both of them uh, with our mm-hmm. latest film, the latest classic that we're looking at. Yes, we're looking at the 1952 stoner comedy, <laughs> High Noon. Do not forsake me, oh my darling, on this our wedding day. Do not forsake me, oh my darling, wait, wait long. 
man, I must be brave And I must face that deadly killer Or I a coward, a craven coward crunchy folks <laughs> let's dude i ripped so many bongs yeah. before i started recording let's, is that is that is that what yeah the let's say let's Ripping drop bongs. some pineapple some express um <laughs> some yellow bellinis <laughs> <laughs> some now, banana stevia, tanners yeah. sativa is the one that makes you sleepy and then stevia is the one with no calories got mm-hmm. it okay i know my weed terminology yeah i mean we both live in california so now it's uh this whole state oh, yeah. is falling into just a state of disrepair like absolutely it, oh, it's, it's hard chaos it's now just that everybody can smoke weed mm-hmm. whenever without with impunity so it's oh, horrible I'm, I'm glad i got that right yeah I, I said i said with <laughs> impunity i almost said without impunity which is the exact opposite of what i intended to say but we're all we're all over the place. We're way too scatterbrained because we smoked so much before we recorded this podcast. Exactly. But we're here to talk about High Noon. High Noon. John, you had never seen this movie before. No. And okay. I, I didn't That's realize we, we, we're probably going to end up seeing all movies Greg has seen that I have not. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Which we should probably switch that up a little bit. I probably should have said something. <laughs> yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. So if we're going through Western month, particularly John's that are... <laughs> God, <laughs> particularly westerns that John has not seen. <laughs> yes, because I have not seen many of them. And also, I love mm. Westworld. More Westworld, please. Mm, nom, 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 nom. They just revealed another Delos part, Greg. Okay, this one's called The Raj. Yeah. All right. So now there's West- so wait. Uh, so are now we're gonna watch Bollywood movies <laughs> next month or next season when more of the show takes place in the Raj or Shogun world? Are we gonna watch samurai movies? <sighs> well, we could do a samurai month. That would be fun. But, um, but again, you've seen every Akira Kurosawa film, so that would be. Totally. I know, but there's a lot more. <laughs> Worth seeing? I don't think so, good sir. Uh, there's some in the uh, Criterion Collection. Again, we're off topic. <laughs> Let's get back to High Noon. It looks like we want to talk about anything but High Noon. Uh, you're probably But John, we have a lot to talk about here. Okay, fine. In a very sparse... This is a, a Western thriller. It's about one man uh, who's forced to kind of fight, fight off this posse all by himself. He tries to recruit folks to help him, and they just won't. No, no. Everyone's like... And uh, it just happens to be the day that he gets married. And even yeah, his well, wife is like, why can't you just run out of town? But he's like, yeah. no, he sticks to his guns. He's got morals, damn it. He's got, he's got a reputation to uphold. Well, also, they'll catch him. That mean, is also these, true. This posse is on a, a mission of vengeance, so you can't just run away from your problems, John. You have to confront them head on. And who better to do that than the masculine ideal himself, Gary Cooper? Ah, yes, Gary Cooper. From such films yeah. as... Um, Help me out here, Greg. <laughs> uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much. Okay. A lot of different uh, uh, collaborations with Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Again, he was a huge star. This is really kind of his famous performance, and I think everybody's familiar with that one still from the movie mm-hmm. with his vest and his hat, his black hat and his black vest over a white shirt, you know. It's pretty. It's pretty iconic, I'd assume. Well, yeah, and then there's also that famous scene just before the climax where the camera kind of pulls out. It's a crane shot, and you see how kind of desperately alone he is. No one's come to his oh, aid. Yeah. No one's come to his side. So, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's that's the money shot. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't keep this movie from being corny as hell. <laughs> Well, John, it was 1952. What do you expect? I guess, but it's like I mean, last week we saw the tre- the treasure of the Sierra Madre, and. Uh-huh. 
like that's a nice little morality play as well but this one it just like this one i couldn't get into because there's just no edge to it it's just too clean it's too polished and maybe that's kind of the point is the fact that this is a wild west town that's kind of been uh developed over time and so you know this lawman gary cooper uh, the character's name is marshall will kane and he's like he's he's cleaned up the town the town is spick and span there's no more outlaws like everyone's living in nice houses with wallpaper for crying out loud and i don't know it just felt really artificial and given the fact the subtext of the film maybe that's kind of the point but it's like i don't know when i kind of go into westerns i'm expecting a little more edge like this hardness this kind of like ruggedness and this movie's just too clean it's too soft you're right about that that was my first impression too this is my third or fourth time seeing it Mm -hmm. and it's a it's on a beautiful restoration on filmstruck right now like it it looks incredible they just get so many free plugs from us those bastards they do But just the high definition quality of the image for this movie that's almost 60 years old, or over 60 years old now, it was incredible. But you're right, you look at the production design, and the 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 every costume is so perfectly tailored and so perfectly, you know, mm-hmm. cleaned. And now, granted, it's it's on his wedding day, yeah. So you you expect some 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 of these characters to be cleaned up. However, you're right in that not only is it in the costumes, in the cinematography, but also in the town itself the set they have it's pretty clearly a set exactly the the town of uh, hadleyville is it exactly you know isn't exactly expansive or feel or feels lived in Mm -hmm. so i think you're right about that and the other thing that kind of diminished it in my mind is the same issue that i had with the, the movie we watched last week the treasure of the sierra madre in that it's just a clear morality tale and that it, that's not really challenged at all. Like it's it the it's as black and white as the cinematography is. Like there's there's kind of like one line of thinking, and there's only one scene at a church that kind of challenges that somewhat. But again, we we always follow Gary Cooper. He's always he always acts bravely. He always he's stalwart in his mission to stop this posse and face them head on. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, we never we never see who we never characterize who exactly that posse is. Yeah. I mean, like, um, literally, it's just a bunch of insert shots of them waiting around at the train station for their boss to arrive. Yeah. That's really the only characterization we get from them. And, well, at least with the Treasure of Sierra Madre, it's like there is some edge to it. Like, again, we're, our main characters are homeless people. Okay, this is like mm-hmm. a rough-and-tumble lifestyle. And we see some, you know, hardships that they have to face. Like, they almost die in the desert. You know, there's some real stakes to it. Whereas, like, here... And this kind of goes back to the uh, first movie we watched for Western Month Stagecoach, which is when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> you keep promising that this bad guy, uh, Frank Miller, is going to show up, maybe write another Dark Knight mo- uh, comic book, you know, but he doesn't show up until the end. He's wearing like a white, pristine suit. And it's just like I, you never get a feel for the stakes or the danger. I sent a man up five years ago for murder. He was supposed to hang. But up north, they commuted it to life. Now he's free. I don't know how. Anyway, it looks like he's coming back. I still don't understand. He's a... Well, he was always wild, kind of crazy. He'll, he'll probably make trouble. But that's no concern of yours, not anymore. I'm the one who sent him up. Well, that was part of your job. That's finished now. They've got a new marshal. Won't be here till tomorrow. Seems to me I've got to stay. Anyway, I'm the same man with or without this. Well, that isn't so. I expect he'll come looking for me. Three of his old bunch are waiting at the depot. That's exactly why we ought to go. They'll just come after us. Four of them. 
And we'd be all alone on the prairie. We've got an hour. What's an hour? Oh, we could What's reach... a hundred miles? We'd never be able to keep that store, Amy. They'd come after us and we'd have to run again as long as we live. No, we wouldn't. Not if they didn't know where to find us. Oh, Will. Well, I'm begging you, please, let's go. I can't. Don't try to be a hero. You don't have to be a hero. Not for me. I'm not trying to be a hero. If you think I like this, you're crazy. Like, I thought, you know, maybe the rest of the town would come to his aid in his, like, last moment of need. But no, that doesn't even happen at the end. Like, again, it just it doesn't... <laughs> nothing nothing well, subverts your... Does. Like, it, it, it kind yeah. of subverts your expectations that way, but not really. Because, again, we knew he was going to no. win at the end. Yeah. Um, we should say the, the movie's also notable for playing out in real time. It's called High Noon because the showdown's going to happen once the noon train rolls into town. Exactly. And, and we also get clock, a lot of... clocks yeah. play a prominent, prominent role in the, a lot of insert shots of clocks and, and this kind of this countdown happening to this big confrontation. Mm -hmm. So it is notable from that, like, in terms of framing a thriller, that's fine. Um, but, John, that's all surface-level stuff. Oh, should we Let's dig a little ooh, deeper. Ooh, should we get into the text that's subsurface the subtext <laughs> if you will the subterranean text yes. yeah let's let's dig let's let's get our pickaxes out and <laughs> and dig a little deeper um because this movie was produced by carl foreman who was actually a member of the communist party Ooh. and was brought before the d during the red scare in the 1950s he was brought before the house of un-american activities mm. and, and so forced to testify and so the story could be seen as a metaphor for people who had been blacklisted in hollywood oh Yes, <laughs> as as I'm sure every movie was in the 1950s, <laughs> because I've and you could say like, oh, that's interesting, like this this story of a, a sheriff, the, this representative of law and order, facing off against these four enemies. You think, oh, that's a that's an instance where like this producer, like he wasn't he was gonna stand up for truth and justice, and he wasn't going to um, compromise on his convictions. In this case, in the case of Carl Foreman, he wasn't going to give anybody, any of his fellow Communist Party members up mm -hmm. to this House committee. Um, however, a few years later, uh, Ilya Kazan does go through that committee and says, oh yeah, here's, here are all my Communist pals. And he creates a movie called On the Waterfront. Oh. And it's all about, yeah, it's all about the star of that movie, Marlon Brando, kind of has to stick to his guns in spite of pressure to not testify. So that's that's kind of the, the, the dichotomy here is it's so kind of general in its in its notion of like what's right and wrong mm -hmm. and what's what's truthful or not what's or what's just and what isn't that it really doesn't matter what the message is you can interpret it however you want mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure somebody in the 1950s would have, would have been like yes that posse represents the communist threat <laughs> and i'm gary cooper the the true american yes. the true american capitalist who won't let it invade america everyone else is a coward but me okay i'm the only one yeah. who stands up for <laughs> truth and justice I mean, but again, like going back to that whole kind of cleanliness and that artificiality of the movie, maybe that was the point, because again, this is a metaphor for making movies in Hollywood. So it's like, let's make this feel like a Hollywood film, I guess. Again, Product, that, that yeah. intentional artificiality to it. Knowing that, mm -hmm. does that make it any better? No, not really. But I mean, <laughs> again, maybe there was intention behind it. So you got to give it credit for that. Yeah, well, what I will give credit for, let's get back to what kind of we like about the movie. You know, clearly, <laughs> you and I are both pretty mild on yeah. it. And that is the direction of, of Frank Zinneman. Again, I think he does build like kind of a, a compelling thriller element to, the, to this ticking clock, to you know these confrontations that Gary Cooper has when he tries to recruit um, and more folks to defend him against this posse. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that definitely comes to the fore in the supporting performances, notably um, Katie Giraldo as Helen Ramirez, um, one, of the, uh, one of the proprietors of this hotel or something like that. You mean Elvira? Because that's what I saw yeah. every time she was on screen. I was like, is Come that on, Elvira? John. <laughs> What's going on? This is a, this is a prominent uh, Latinx character we have in, in the 1950s. This is, I think this is the first person of color in these two classic westerns that we've seen, so... Well, no, not literally, but in, in a prominent role. Uh, but again, like, what's what's the message that they're saying underlined here is like, oh, they're a person of color, therefore they're a bit of a ne'er-do-well. <laughs> they're a bit of, <laughs> uh, you know, morally compromised. Not like our brave white she, heroes. <laughs> she's a sophisticated businesswoman, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Who is analytical and, and assesses a situation and decides, I'm out of here. Also a just, slut. Along with the rest she's of just the town. a slut. Look at it. She's wearing a big bustier. She's wearing her big eye makeup. Like, ooh, come hither, boys. <laughs> Maybe that's what compelled me. <laughs> Maybe that's what so compelled me. Look, Mrs. Ramirez, Will and I were married an hour ago. We were all packed and ready to leave, and then this thing happened, and he wouldn't go. I, I did everything. I, I pleaded. I threatened. I just couldn't reach him. And now? Well, that man downstairs, the clerk, he said things about you and Will. I've been trying to understand why he wouldn't go with me, and now all I can think of is that it's got to be because of you. What do you want from me? Let him go. He still has a chance. Let him go. I cannot help you. Please. He isn't staying for me. I have spoken to him for a year until today. I am leaving on the same train you are. Then what is it? Why is he staying? If you don't know, I cannot explain it to you. Well, thank you anyway. You've been very kind. Well, I mean, she she sets up a nice contrast to Grace Kelly's character. Oh yeah, she's a she's a her character is a Quaker. Mm -hmm. Like, and she's adorned in all white, a uh, very very prim proper. Like her corset is stretched extremely tight. <laughs> But yeah, Grace Kelly uh, is playing Amy Fowler. Uh, she's marrying the marshal on his last day. Uh, wouldn't you know it? Mm -hmm. He's retiring on his last day. He's getting too old for this yeah. shit. And um, <laughs> she also is intent to leave. She's like, we have to get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with my guns. And uh, she's about to leave until, you know, she hops on the same train as Elvira. And uh, she gets <laughs> off at the last minute. So... Good for her, I guess. It's love. It's the power of love. But it's so like predictable. I know. You're you're right about that. Again, there's nothing. There's no big twists here. I mean, clearly, other than late in the movie, that money shot, that beautifully executed crane shot, where it it's literally pulls out from Gary Cooper on this desolate street. I mean, probably if if there's one thing that helps it reach that classic status, it is having such an iconic moment such as that. Yeah. And also, you know, you're talking about the side characters going back to kind of like the little subtle B-plots that are going on in the background. Obviously, the big high noon showdown is uh, taking up most of the proceedings. But then he also has a deputy, a deputy mm -hmm. played by uh, Lloyd Bridges. Uh, yes. Looks like he picked the wrong <laughs> week to stop sniffing glue. Um, yeah. That's all I thought about every time he was on screen. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't aged a day, has he? <laughs> um, I think he's aged. He just has very defined features that obviously don't disappear with age. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's always got uh, that again, baby that... face. Yeah, those Bridges, the Bridges family has some fine genetics <laughs> that keeps them, you know, keeps them acting for 40 to 50 years. Mm -hmm. But so there's this deputy and he's kind of secured in not helping 
the marshal because he feels like he's been passed over for a promotion or something. Yeah, something in that regard. Or again, he doesn't. He's he's not fully committed to taking on the Miller posse. We should explain that the the main bad guy's name is Frank Miller, mm-hmm. and obviously he doesn't want to face off against him in the same way that Cooper's character does. Well, nobody does. Even there's yeah. even a point where he goes to a church to implore people to help, and they're like, "Oh, well, the Bible says," and you know, like, I know it's Sunday. You should be in church. <laughs> <laughs> That's other kind of the weird thing is like, the marshal is obviously the uh, moral epitome in this town, like the the moral mm-hmm. high ground, but and he's always kind of like chastising little kids for not being in church, but he himself is not a church going man, so it's like, yeah. That's like the hardest edge we probably get is the fact that he might potentially be a hypocrite, but like it doesn't go anywhere. No, yeah. I mean that that scene is the only one I found compelling because they actually entered into some debate. Like, yeah. what? If is it just like obviously Ten Commandments tell us not to kill anybody, but is it just to kill these outlaws? Exactly. These Miller brothers? It becomes twelve yeah. uh, twelve angry men for a second. So that yeah, it actually becomes uh, too briefly. Yeah, yeah, too briefly. I think, <laughs> but uh, again, at least at least briefly. Mm-hmm. I'll get to a, you know, not to spoil my spotlight, but I'll get to a, a Western movie that does this a little bit better. Ooh, oh, dear. Ooh, 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 my. Ooh, ooh. You tease. You doggy. Yeah. You scoundrel. Exactly. Exactly. John, we're, we're 19 minutes in. we got to keep people compelled. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of you already know it, but if you don't, it looks like Frank Miller's coming back on the noon train. And I need all the special deputies I can get. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go. Hold it a minute. Hold it. Before we go rushing out into something that ain't going to be so pleasant, let's be sure we know what this is all about. What I want to know is this. Ain't it true that Kane ain't no longer Marshal? And ain't it true there's personal trouble between him and Miller? Why should it There's a difference of opinion, let everybody have a say. But let's do it like grown-up people. And let's get all the kids out of the building. Well, I, th- I think we can... Uh, one other issue that I've had with the movie is, um, again, the way that this plays out is a lot of debates, but it also tries to be a little bit more action-oriented. I mean, yeah, at the end, uh, it kind of... Well, like... not, and not only that, there's, a, there's also the other big confrontation that has, where we actually reach fisticuffs, is when uh, Gary Cooper... Or, sorry, when... Uh, Lloyd Bridges' character actually tries to fight Gary Cooper. Yeah, that's true. He actually tries to like force him on his own horse so he can get out of town. Yeah. And I kind of appreciate the fact that they try to keep up the momentum, like have these little action beats, like these little scuffles. But uh, I don't think it's enough, especially when they keep cutting back to what, like the posse just waiting at the train station for their boss yeah. to arrive again. <laughs> like I appreciate the fact that they at least knew to kind of like cut up the action a little bit there, but it's like it's so boring. It escalated a little bit. <laughs> Well, there is one moment in there. I, I was wondering what you thought of it. Um, Will Kane, Gary Cooper, actually uh, does uh, subdue Lloyd Bridges. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm just going to call them by the actors' yeah, names. Because exactly. like, their characters are not that memorable. No. And um, he throws a bucket of water on him. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if that act was merciful or you know, just tried to be magnanimous or something like that. But it does. I, I think it's trying to maintain it, your sympathy for Gary Cooper's character. Hmm. And there probably is no other like kind of nice tangible way to make him seem sympathetic after after he's like literally punched out his his deputy. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like 
again, like maybe getting into those hard edges just a little bit, like maybe the fact that he's like overtly stubborn and kind of unflinching can also kind of be seen as a character flaw. But mm-hmm. again, like he is proven right by the end. So it's like, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not, <laughs> the movie's not really committed to that kind of angle, I guess. No, and especially not towards the end where it does become this action shootout mm-hmm. um, with a, an actor who I think was in his late 50s at this point, wholly unsuited to action. <laughs> I think that's the other thing that really diminished in my mind. I, maybe the first time I see him, I'm like, oh, like, is Gary Cooper actually going to you know, take on this fo- posse of four? Mm-hmm. And now I see that he does, and I kind of know the conclusion. Like, I'm not sure like what other viewers... I would like to hear what other what our listeners think, you know, when... <laughs> Are are they savvy enough to see like okay this is going to have a happy ending Gary Cooper is obviously going to triumph yeah but yeah the way the way it kind of plays out when he's when he's not exactly limber like or or not exactly you know getting the best of his foes like he just hides around the corner and and shoots them exactly yeah I mean it's it's funny because it's like the comment that I read about this film is that it's a western for people who don't like westerns and I re- like I remember thinking when I read that it's like oh for people who hate fun. For people who hate like <laughs> excitement and action, yeah. What, what's behind that? Where did you read that statement? I don't know. It's just like, uh, like I think a critic when the movie came out, like they were just like praising it, and that was like somehow a a, a, a noteworthy phrase for it. I guess I don't know. I, I didn't okay. like. But what about yeah? What about westerns? Yeah. What? But what about westerns? Do they not like that that this movie does better than your typical genre movie? Again, like I think it's maybe those hard edges. I guess. Because, again, the West was meant to be dirty and grisly and mean-spirited, and this movie just isn't that. No. <laughs> and that's what makes yeah, it, it like, not fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, where's your where's your scoundrel types? Where's your rascals, you know? Where's the every <laughs> oh, man yeah, for himself I, spirit that embodied the West? <laughs> Instead, it's well, all about cooperation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that every man spirit and that it's the lone warrior going up against yeah. the seemingly impossible odds. Mm-hmm. But, again... That points out to another huge problem in the movie in that the bad guy, Frank Miller, isn't characterized at all. No, we just know that he's a bad they man just... because they told us he's a bad I mean, if he got off from his crimes, then it can't have been that severe. Like, that's the other thing <laughs> no. I kept wondering. And maybe, again, there's that kind of, like, conservative ideology. It's like, oh, the courts, they don't understand. All right, the only person, the only thing that could stop a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun. <laughs> And that's the other thing, too. In a, a better movie would say create a greater threat out of Frank Miller. Maybe have a scene where that shows that he's a crack shot and he never misses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing with, like, Stagecoach. It's like we never see what kind of threat the Apaches are. We just know that they're, yeah. like, dangerous. Yeah, or even the, the – I forget the brothers' names or whatever, but they're they're going up against, the you know, Kid Cudi or oh, – Kid Cudi or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> with those sick beats. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever John Wayne's character's name is. <laughs> it's been a long week. I can't remember a thing. <laughs> the but Ringo even, Kid. Th- that like confrontation at the end. The Ringo Kid, yeah. thank you. Yeah. The Ringo Kid, like, we we only know that they have some beef. But we don't know what exactly this posse... We don't know anything about this posse other than we're told that they're the bad guys. Exactly, yeah. So, classic, classic Western uh, exposition right there. So, you know. Yeah. I, I, like, again, that's why that phrase stuck out to me. It's like, this is pretty much a traditional western in many ways i mean besides if you suck out all the fun then yes i guess it's not (laughs) (laughs) well what john what what are those traditional western tropes that you're seeing well again like you said the lone warrior standing up for the law against these rapscallions these 'er ne'er-do-wells um yeah uh and then (sighs) i guess really that's it never mind (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I, I think there's also there there's talk that he has civilized this town in a way. Yeah, I guess. But again, yeah. like the spirit of the Wild West is the fact that it's untamed land that you can. Yeah, so maybe if we had a greater implication that you know the presence of Frank Miller, the outlaw, in this town and killing the sheriff or the uh, the marshal, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Like if if it had some grander implication for the town, like oh we're gonna lose this business deal, we're losing citizens or whatever, it's gonna be a ghost town soon. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe that maybe that would enhance the drama a little bit, but or maybe like you know they did like real moralizing. It's like think of the children because there's a lot of children in this yeah. town as well. There's that you know mm-hmm. that church scene. It's like oh the kids shouldn't be there, and it's just like a gaggle of kids just leave. Like yay, no more yeah. church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not have the kids over here is talking about murder. Right, exactly. Although there is one kid still in there. <laughs> that that was a cutaway. So okay, maybe not the best direction by Frank Zinnemann there. Oh jeez, <laughs> who's the script supervisor on this? Ray Charles. <laughs> yeah, he's blind. See, I, uh, yeah, very clever, Greg. Very clever. Come on, mm-hmm. at least he's Stevie Wonder. He's still alive. <laughs> That's true. My apologies. <laughs> My apologies. I should have made fun of another celebrity who was blind and still alive. <laughs> Can't you wait? Just want to be ready. Like, I remember thinking while I was watching this as well, it's like, this would actually be the perfect uh, material for, like, mystery science theater or riff tracks. Because it's very... Oh, well, it, oh, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, mean. I think it... Well, no, just, like, the pacing of it. I think it's... Oh, it, for, like, throwing in those little comments. For throwing in, like, those kind of, like, sarcastic comments. It's like, oh, you got me. You know, like, obviously, that's a terrible yeah. mystery science theater joke. But, yeah. <laughs> but again, like, you can you could have a little fun, like, you know, watching this with your pals and, like, throwing little sly comments. Like, like the other thing I noticed is the fact that at one point during the shootout, our barn gets lit on fire. And as he's riding off, I'm mm. like, wait, did anyone put out that fire? <laughs> Isn't that barn still, like, ablaze? <laughs> But John, the horses made it. The horses. Oh gosh, he's such a good man. Even 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 at the sacrifice of his own safety, he saves those horses. I know. They could make great dog food one day. (laughs) (laughs) He values all of God's creatures. Okay, everything living, other than the Miller brother, other than Frank Miller, (laughs) he values everything living. I do love that final scene where, again, he's 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 killed Miller's gang and he's ready to leave town. Yep. And he just takes off his tin star and just throws it on the ground, looking at everyone like, "Ah, fuck you!" <laughs> it just rides <laughs> off. I do kind of appreciate. I that. Go that. Yeah, that's about as hard edged as this movie gets. <laughs> yeah, no, like that is also the no like yeah, forgiveness, no like understanding. It's just like I'm out of here. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's interestingly enough the kind of the biggest symbol or whatever is the tin star because he when he goes out to recruit folks to be his deputy and take on the Miller gang, mm-hmm. he takes out a bunch of tin stars yeah, no that he can give one. to folks. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just gives it up. And that was the the title of the original short story on which this movie's based is was the tin star. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and the fact that it just gives it... Yeah, so again, the, the mildest of symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> just the mildest of movies. High noon. Yeah. <laughs> high noon, more like high not. Bam. So anyway, John, let's get on to... <laughs> Let's just let that lie there, okay? I know. <laughs> like a dead fish. Just That joke just did not land. I know. It's it stinks. <laughs> I should have said hide poon. But <laughs> <Ooh. I guess. laughs> that's, the, that's the porn version. Yeah. <laughs> it's a porn for really tall ladies, so the poon is really yeah. high up there. Uh, let's get off this topic. Okay. This is a family show after all. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Mm, no, it isn't. Is it? No. Uh, well, what, 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 what do you think we should move on to, Greg? Um, well, John, not a lot of people know this, mm-hmm. but we're doing our first ever aspiring snobs pledge drive. Oh boy, <laughs> we are supported by you, our listeners. Go to our Indiegogo so, page. We're only looking yeah. for a small two point five million dollar donation. <laughs> Exactly. But, John, we have so many great rewards. Mm. If you donate now, you will get the Aspiring Snobs coffee mug and a free trip to the Salton Sea. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I've heard so mm-hmm. many good things. And hurry now, because yes. it could dry up any day now. Exactly. So, again, this is a precious natural resource we have out in the middle of the desert of California. A, a huge, a great vacation destination. Um, the smells I hear have abated, <laughs> but this is the time to go uh, when it's now 120 degrees out there. So, <laughs> And if you pledge within the bottom of the hour, we'll do double uh-huh. the offer. You get two coffee mugs, okay? We'll match <laughs> coffee mug per coffee mug the amount of yes. coffee mugs you could potentially earn from this pledge drive. Yes. One says aspiring snob, and the other also says aspiring snob. So you know you could you could be like if you're if you're married or something like that, you can be a cute couple together. Oh my gosh! Now we have to actually make merch. This is this is too I, much. Exactly. Probably should have planned this. Yeah, that's why I'll I'd never do a Kickstarter for anything. I, a, I don't want other people's money. B, I don't want to have to reward them because <laughs> I'd be putting I'd be putting more effort into that than actually what you're creating. No, and that's why we would never do a Patreon. This is enough work just doing the free version. I don't want to do premium episodes. Yeah. It's a miracle yeah, anyone so listens to this now. <laughs> exactly. So what, they're going to listen to two a week? Come on. Come on. Come on. Why, why don't we give them something for free that we usually give them? How about that? Exactly. And I know exactly what that is. Hmm? Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Oh, genius. Genius. Yes. This is why you're a marketing yes. guru. Okay. Yes. This is why your cloud yes. score is off the charts. Yeah, oh. uh, for now. Oh. <laughs> cloud. Until clouds, and then I, I have to see how uninfluential I am by normal means. Well, <laughs> well, but John, I have the perfect spotlight for oh, you. Oh, do tell. Yes, you and I were pretty mild on High Noon. Mm-hmm. So I thought, let me recommend another Western from a few years later that actually is way more complex and as well done Ooh. but just much, that much more engaging starring n- not just not just one classic hollywood star J- john but two. Oh my we're talking this is a constellation here Oof. this movie oh dear yeah and uh, sorry I, I i completely forgot there's three actually huge stars in this movie. Oh, greg i have the vapors okay i am on pins and needles <laughs> here i just cannot i'm verklempt let's let's go let's go yes of course i'm talking about the movie the man who shot liberty valance Ooh. One of the options we had to actually watch for exactly, Western and Mountain. we're not gonna. Yes, uh, sadly, we're not gonna watch it. <laughs> Next week, we're gonna do an, another western from the '60s, but not this yeah. one. To, much to my chagrin, but <laughs> all right, I have a chance to talk about it now. Okay, fair enough. So, John, what do you know about the man who shot Liberty Valance? Uh, it's about a man. 
and uh, there's another man named Liberty Valance. And uh, uh-huh. I don't know how the twain meet, but I have a sneaking <laughs> suspicion it's under less than pleasant terms. Yes. Well, well, John, in this constellation of stars in this movie, we have Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. We have John Wayne. Oh. Yeah, two legends of the silver screen coming together. And then the Liberty Valance himself is played by Lee Marvin. And it goes a little something mm, like, like this. this. <laughs> John, let's... Hey, Harvey! <laughs> what are you talking about, Pilgrim? There's no one there. <laughs> and I have no idea what Lee Marvin sounds yeah. like. <laughs> I was going to say, well, it sounds like we got to run on the bank here, Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, Sheriff, uh, your money's at Bill's house. It's in Shirley's house. <laughs> oh, I can't stand up straight. I have vertigo. Classic <laughs> line. Classic, classic line. <laughs> classic Hitchcock line. <laughs> but yes, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. What's it about, Greg? So it's about, I should say, uh, again, similar setup we have to these other movies. We're in a kind of a, a town that's slowly civilizing, but it's still out in the West. There's still outlaws. And mm-hmm. the biggest and baddest is a guy named Liberty Valance. And unlike the other Westerns that we talked about, they actually do characterize him and show him oh. having some menace. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we do see in Lee Marvin's performance like how sinister like the, the villain actually is, this Liberty Valance, and what a terror he is on this small town. Okay. And then uh, we have Jimmy Stewart rolls in, a recent law school graduate. Oh, pff, classic. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Exactly. Saying, I'm, I'm going to clean up this town uh, with the power of discourse and... <laughs> With strong and stern logic. Exactly. <laughs> hey, buddy, if you follow that gun around, you know, no one's going to agree with you. Yes. And it's classic, just not good manners. Yes. And the classic line is like, I don't want to I don't want to shoot Liberty Valance to town. I want to put him in jail. <laughs> Again, he wants to enact, you know, he wants to enact courtroom justice. But the, okay. the, the wisened, hardened uh, John Wayne playing the, not the sheriff, but a guy, a kind of guy, who, a farmer who lives outside of town. He says, uh, well, Pilgrim, and I believe he does call people Pilgrim in this movie. <laughs> That's his go-to line. Exactly. But he, he wants to use street justice. Okay. Yeah, and he recommends that Jimmy Stewart use street justice. So um, it kind of converged. So this was the Mississippi burning of its day. Yeah. <laughs> Against, well, it's okay because uh, Liberty Valance is white, so it's fine. Okay, all right. Cool. <laughs> hey, the bad guys in Bur- uh, Mississippi burning were white, too. I, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, again like a like a lot of great westerns uh, racial inequality doesn't really factor in it's fine this is this yeah. this is white people stuff <laughs> okay all right yeah. <laughs> we'll just ignore the plight of the native americans and, and other folks it's and chinese african americans eh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> non whites let's just exactly, both, let's yeah. just group them all together mm-hmm, non whites yep. now so it it culminates in somebody actually vanquishing liberty valance john but who that is 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 a little is kind of left up to uh, is a little ambiguous and it's important in terms of like uh, myth making. So that's what makes the movie really interesting is like uh, who who gets credited with as the man who shot Liberty Valance is important for how how the town kind of proceeds from here and whether mm-hmm. you know it's civil it's going to be civilized or it's going to kind of remain. Um, in the in the throes of outlaws and and let's let's say injustice let's say, let's say that so it's a little more morally gray and complicated. Okay, so there's like a white knight slash dark knight kind of thing going. Exactly. It's so only there was not another only... movie that explored that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, for 1962, in a genre that's not exactly known for its moral complexity. Yeah. I gotta say, you know, <laughs> look at High Noon right here. Okay. Exactly. 
And same with the the other problems with the movie, the movies that we've explored for the show already. Again, not exactly characterizing the villain. This movie mm-hmm. does through a great Lee Marvin performance. Um, again, kind of talks about the the morality of of how to pursue justice through this mm-hmm. discourse between Jimmy Stewart's character and and John Wayne's character. And also, like uh, there's another plot line where he, he's trying to educate some folks, and he becomes a teacher in the town. So he's he's also civilizing it in that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only problem with the movie in that is that they cast uh jimmy stewart who was in his mid-50s at this point or sorry in his early 60s at this point as a recent law school graduate so (laughs) that's that's a little incongruous to see um he always just had that world weariness to him though in all the roles he brought you know yeah oh yeah he the mr smith goes to washington definitely weary and cynical in that movie Look, like I said, you know, he probably smoked like four packs a day. Okay, that age is a man. Quite nice, I know. <laughs> he didn't I know. know Lee, Lee Marvin was 30 in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> How old was John Wayne? Because he I always perpetually looks like he's 50. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, he was I, always I'm, a bloated mess. <laughs> yeah. I think he had, um, from the movie Gang is Khan, he, they, they were filming downwind from like a nuclear test site, so I think he had cancer burbling through his liver and lungs. <laughs> Oh, it's worse than that. After they were done filming in the Nevada desert, to keep congruity, they took the dirt, the irradiated dirt from it, and brought it to the set. So even when they were out of Nevada, they were still getting background radiation. It was real bad. Yeah. But anyway, don't don't go see Genghis Khan. See this movie instead. The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance. It's outstanding. It's one of my favorites. And again, like a, I think a true, a true testament to how great the western genre can be when it really does explore and challenges morality in this way okay and also myth making and you know all the other tropes of the western so again that's that's one that i hold up i put i shine a spotlight on it when i say it's a truly great western and you know really exemplifies the genre okay all right all right you just said the same thing twice but okay all right yeah exactly What are you? What are you saying? <laughs> You're just being a little redundant. That's all. <laughs> I, I highly disagree. And you have the power okay. of editing. You will take that out, and I will, I will sound <laughs> even more intelligent. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, Greg, I love the Wild West. I'm sure, sure you do. do. I'm sure you do. Some people might even call it the Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh no! Speaking of being redundant. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> No, you're not. I'm not going to recommend that movie because our audience probably knows what a classic that is. <laughs> they already, I know, they're already aware of the brilliant, very Sonnefeld directed, <laughs> Will Smith starring, uh, Kenneth Branagh embarrassing <laughs> movie, <laughs> summer blockbuster hit of 1999, <laughs> Wild Wild West. I mean, what other movie are you going to get a giant mechanical spider in? <laughs> yes, I call it the Air Gordon. <laughs> brilliant. No. <laughs> But in lieu of that, thinking about the wild, wild west, I have a Netflix series I want to recommend for you, Wild Wild Country. Oh, Have okay. you gotten a chance to see this yet? I haven't gotten a chance to see this. This is a documentary series about a cult. Yes. A six-part documentary series about the uh, Rahash Nishi cult in Oregon, in mm. Antelope County, Oregon. Although, uh, fair warning, it's not really about the cult. <laughs> if you're going in expecting, uh. like going clear like oh look at the how you know the madness the brainwashing this cult under what like underwent its poor you know helpless victims yeah. it's really not about that whatsoever. okay can i i don't yeah. want to 
spoil it for anybody, so mm-hmm. shut your ears up. It also doesn't end in a huge violent confrontation like Waco or Ruby Ridge or anything like that, right? No, and I think that's why, I mean, I was listening to an interview. Another reason why I kind of wanted to bring this up is I was listening to a podcast where they interviewed the two um, producers and directors, their brothers. Yeah. And, like, they asked the question, it's like, why does no one really remember this? Because this was a huge national story back in the mm-hmm. mid-'80s when it happened. But it kind of like faded from the public imagination, and it's probably because no one died. Yeah, <laughs> like surprisingly, <laughs> and or it, there yeah, wasn't. It didn't end in a blaze of glory. No, absolutely not. And like in the final episode, it's really fascinating. They're you know they have all this archival footage of the Rahashnishi dissipating. The town mm-hmm. kind of like they literally bought this town and kind of developed it out of nothing, and then you see all these people kind of moving out, and they're kind of. Uh, dispersing and they're all really sad Mm. and what's fascinating is like they interview a lot of former members and you know they don't look at this time unfondly and because that's not really what the story is about the story is about kind of religious freedom in america okay because the idea is that the this cult bought up all this land in Oregon to kind of found this utopia, this utopia that they had dreamed of. And, you know, the U.S. government and their neighbors did everything they could in their legal power to ensure that they couldn't. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, like they used the classic arguments, well, separation of church and state, land use laws. And it's like, well, tell that to the Mormons. Tell that to the Catholic (laughs) Church in Boston. You know, it's like, isn't this country founded on religious freedom? And then, you know, but then you get into the kind of, it's funny because the cult was not particularly bad to its members, but it sure as hell was very bad to its outsiders. Okay. <laughs> because they have a they have they they come up with a lot of crazy schemes to uh, kind of influence the vote and kind of gain political power within Oregon. So that's where the the story kind of turns out, and that's where it gets really really fascinating. Uh, interesting. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess I didn't see it in that way because, yeah, we mentioned like you know Mormon influence in Utah or let's say you know Irish Catholic influence in Boston. That's because you know it, even though we're the country was founded on a separation of church and state, it's clear that politicians and you know all their will and might can't separate their religious feelings from laws. No. And I'm sure folks in southeastern Oregon were really intimidated by this strange I'm I'm going to say eastern religion because that's No, and that, yeah, that yeah. is definitely a part of it is the fact mm-hmm. that it was a it's a small little Christian community and then you have these thousands of, you know, uh Indian inspired it was very inspired by like a lot of 60s movements, a lot of eastern religion, a lot of and again the founder was uh Indian and mm-hmm. <laughs> also part of the reason why he moved to America is because India kind of forced him out. Uh. And so the whole idea is that he could never build his utopia in India, you know, with all the legal implications and all the kind of pushback. So he thought, oh, well, let's go to America, land of the free, home of the brave, where you can be whatever you want. And obviously, that's not how it turned out. But obviously, the uh, cult itself has some very uh, nefarious dealings that it, and I think that's kind of um, another thing that might be kind of unsatisfying is like, we never really know who's the brains of this kind of nefarious operation. The leader of the cult he has this secretary named Sheila, mm-hmm. and she actually takes up a majority of the interviews. Um, she's free now after serving her time. Uh, she okay. lives in Europe now. And wait, 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 like, so sorry. <laughs> I, I guess we'll uh, 
blow past whatever the nature of her crime was. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like, in her head, she did nothing wrong. She was yeah. just following orders. But of oh, course, okay. when you ask the other cult leaders, oh, oh, it was all Sheila. She was the firebrand. She was the one who was like, the, the ends justify the means. So it's like, it's a lot of back and forth about, you know, who's really at fault and who was really the brains of the operation. So like, again, like when we talk about, you know, the Rahashnishi trying to get like political influence. One of their earliest attempts were they would just bus homeless people from all over the country <laughs> to gain like a huge voting block. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and of course, even though Oregon has very strict land uses, their voter rights are very loose. So they just bust all these homeless people in to vote for whatever the Rahashnishis wanted. Um, and then once those laws were canceled and once they, those uh, homeless people weren't... By the way, they call homeless people street people back in the 80s. I had no idea. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but it's weird. Yeah. It's weird listening to all this like archival footage, like uh, news reports. It's like, you know, another busload of street people came into town today. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> you have Tom Brokaw referring to these people as street people. Yeah. It's like hearing Walter Cronkite say Negro or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but it's funny because once the laws are changed and these homeless people aren't eligible to vote anymore, it's like, well, you can't live here anymore. Bye. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, Oregon has all these homeless people. They have nothing to do. Yeah. Like, they can't do anything. With they can't them. shelter properly because, yeah, they exactly. just got this huge influx of folks and they mm -hmm. aren't prepared to serve. So, And that doesn't even get into the poisoning schemes. So, again, ah, very compelling stuff. So there, yes. okay, that's our connection to yes, exactly. people, uh, or whatever, Jim Jones. <laughs> again, yes. thankfully, thankfully didn't have the terrible violent end that that cult did. So I guess mm -hmm. we should be thankful for that. However, I, again, it does sound fascinating and worthy of a six-hour documentary or so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if stylistically there's a lot going on. I mean, it's pretty straightforward you know a lot of dr dramatic lighting mm -hmm. you know um but in terms of a story it's very fascinating so i would say check it out yeah. again like i don't want to push it too hard because again your expectations might not be met again it's not going clear it's not going to end in a fiery waco situation but yeah. i think it's pretty fascinating stuff and again says a lot about america America, America, America. America. the purge coming this summer <laughs> I was I was waiting for the the, the dramatic turn to that. <laughs> Maybe stick some f fire and flames and people screaming over the over the audio. Is this dissing enough for you? Yeah. <laughs> Separation of bodies from heads. <laughs> John, it's, yeah, I don't want to be not, I don't want to be negative. Let's let's bring it back to something positive. Yeah, where can they get their fill of the good old American spirit? Where can people go on the internet to get their fill of patriotism? Well, um, they can go to my MAGA group, and then <laughs> following that. Uh, you can follow me on the Reddit page, The Donald. Yes. <laughs> but following that, they could go to our Facebook page, Aspiring mm -hmm. Snobs, or our Twitter feed, at Aspiring Snobs. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you want to get in touch with us personally, because you and I aren't, aren't the most, admittedly, aren't the most social media savvy people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But what, is thing, this, what is this reply, tweet, heart, star? Yeah. Didn't it used to be stars? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> but one thing we do understand is email. And if you want to get in touch with us personally, you can email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. We're taking recommendations. Your comments, your questions, your recommendations, we'll take it all. Yeah. Again, if you have questions on what's the best place to eat in Southern California, we've got you covered. <laughs> We'll answer them, alongside giving you our input and criticism of movies like High Noon. There you go. 
Well, I mean, they just got it, so I, I should yeah. hope that they're not asking for more of it. I yeah, mean, gosh, we already gave them an hour of it. Come and, on. That's true. Well, half hour, but... Yeah. Okay, half hour, whatever. It's <laughs> not that much to say. Anyway, John, we're dwelling on the negative, but if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher mm-hmm. or Podbean or Player FM or whatever, you can go down to the Write a Review button wherever whatever wherever it wherever it may be i don't know where it is on every podcast platform go to wherever the button is yes go to wherever the button, button is pull your cursor over <laughs> click write a review i love that you're giving them step-by-step instructions Indeed i am i, I if, if they, if the they figure out how to listen to this i know i have a sneaking suspicion they know how to operate a computer got it I want to narrate it like the the how it's made guy now. <laughs> okay. After clicking the the writer review button, a, a radial featuring five stars appears. <laughs> Hover over the fifth star, where all the stars are highlighted. <laughs> clicking the star will give them a five star positive review, and help more people find them. Exactly. More people will find it. We'll be part of the aspiring snobs community, and who knows? We'll buy up our own town in southeastern Oregon. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buy influence in the state legislature. I love it. I love it. We'll yes. bust in so many homeless people. Sorry, yeah. street people. <laughs> street people. You know those street folk. <laughs> Good old Gummy Joe from the yeah. streets. <laughs> uh, Greg, you made a great point, though. We dwell too much on the negative, but you know what? I think that's important. Why? You know what? Next week, I think we should cover the movie from all sides, okay? <laughs> you know what? We should give them the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. So we're watching for a few dollars more, starring Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're watching the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. The the final trilogy of uh, Clint Eastwood starring Sergio Leone directed Western. Wait, that's so. the final one? I thought it was the first. Damn it. I won't be able to keep track. I <laughs> I don't know where the story goes. I it's a it's a loose trilogy sort of. Okay. It's like the uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright trilogy. They're they're all different, okay. ca- technically all different characters, but yeah, all oh really. share some qualities. No, no, you're not you're not feeling it now. Um, I mean, does Nicholas Angel really have any you know qualities shared with Sean? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, of course he does. He's played by the same oh, actor. Really? He's played by the same actor for one. <laughs> they have the same hair color in both it, movies. It, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, but not in the world's end. Hmm, interesting. That's what went wrong in that movie. <laughs> world's end. What went wrong? By the way, don't don't subscribe to uh, whatever. I'm not gonna again. Don't want to dwell on the negative. Great. Talk about Greg. that YouTube channel. Oh wow, giving them anti spotlights at the very end, just trying to squeeze those in. How dare you? I know. Well, they're again, just trying it was their it. best. <laughs> it was just a tangent. Sorry, you're was... not a big fan of Alan Moore. Okay, gosh. <laughs> I I don't know why we get off on these tangents. Again, we've been all over the place this episode. I I apologize. Just too much weed, man. <laughs> That's not true. You and I have too much energy for that that, that amount of weed. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 the stevia that makes you more energetic, right? I don't I don't. Know. I, again, two different you, kinds. You and I don't know shit about this. <laughs> okay, fine. Shut up. <laughs> Make me look like a square. Okay. <laughs> don't, be cool. I don't I don't have to try hard. You are a square. <laughs> shut up. You're like a cube. <laughs> So cool, okay? We're no, smoke some drugs after this. Drugs are not cool. The only drug that's cool is caffeine and sweet soda and tea and coffee. <laughs> and sugar. Lots yeah. and lots of sugar. Yes, those are the only drugs for me, thank you. And alcohol. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to admit to that one. Uh, yeah. I had a rough night last night, so <laughs> oh, never again for about 100 hours. and then <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Give your body time to flush that all out. Exactly. Yep. And we're back on the horse, and then we fall off the horse, and then... 
<laughs> so until next time, let those toxins fall out of your body. Mm -hmm. And please, do, keep aspiring, y'all. <laughs> Did you say I'm not trying to get, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> okay, don't say me all. <laughs> I said y'all. <laughs>